series, this is part three, in a series on prayer. And I'm really glad you're here today, and I'm glad that those of you who are sleep-deprived and achy from walking all night Friday night made the effort to be here. And for those of you who forgot all about Relay and now you're feeling really guilty, I'm glad you're here too, and you'll be there. <laughs> Jeff Grantham, how are you doing today, buddy? Feeling working real well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, really glad. How many miles? 20 miles, Jeff Grantham. Awesome. We may have a new face of Relay right there. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, we love what it represents. We love you and hold you in high regard. So um, I'm really glad you're all here today. Prayer is one of those universal things. It's uh, from the latest studies, we've quoted this a couple times uh, that came out just last year. Uh, only 14% of the residents of Maine attend church on a regular basis, 14%. And uh, we're here to change that, by the way. That's why Faith Community exists. We're here for the people who aren't here yet. Uh, and so we've got, uh, we've got a, an abundance of uh, opportunity out there. 14% of Mainers attend church on a regular basis. We believe there's a God. We believe that he loves us. We believe that he knows our name. Uh, we believe that he wants to be in relationship with us. And so that's why we're here. And while only 14% of our state's population are in church on Sunday morning, on a regular basis, uh, 54% of our state's population prays at some point. Uh, so you don't even have to be a Christian or to see a need to pray or to acknowledge that you pray. Uh, even if you aren't sure that there's a God or if there is what he's like, you pray. And most of us pray because you just feel this need. When you look back through history and study uh, anthropology, you won't find a completely atheistic uh, culture. Or let, let me just say it this way. You won't find a completely prayerless culture. Because And prayer looks different from culture to culture. Prayer is a human instinct. It's, it's at its most basic, an instinct. If there really is a God, can I connect with him? That's what we want to know. If there really is a God, does he care? If there really is a God, is he good and does he hear me? So probably all of you have prayed at some point because almost everybody prays. That's the premise. Maybe there was a season when you prayed more than you pray now. Or maybe prayer in your life right now is the best that it's ever been. But as we saw last month when we launched the series, prayer can be challenging, and almost everybody, including a lot of you, almost everybody has been frustrated with prayer, right? You ever been frustrated with prayer, just like even for a moment, or maybe for periods of time, or for years? Because you wonder if God's even listening. Uh, you wonder if God's going to grant your request, and so prayer becomes a challenge for a lot of us. And it's even a challenge for those of us who've been Christians a long time. Uh, for those of us who are churchy insiders, you know who you are. Uh, we experience those frustrations too. It's not like we're the exception. Um, I've experienced all the good things about prayer, uh, the, the great seasons of prayer, and all the frustrations that you've experienced and that anybody that you've talked with has experienced. I've experienced it too. So we're just trying to take an honest look at prayer. And we've just scratched the surface so far, and it's probably all we've it's probably about all we'll ever we'll get to do here in this setting. But today we're going to continue to look into this the most famous prayer ever offered. We know it as the Lord's Prayer. I challenged you a couple of weeks ago to pray through the Lord's Prayer, to pray it in your own words. And throughout this series, we're going to be working through this very familiar prayer, and we're going to take it section by section. And some of you grew up knowing this prayer very well. You grew up hearing it and reciting it. For some of you, it was a spiritual discipline. I mean, it was part of your connection with God. Uh, it carried a lot of meaning for you. It was much more than a meaningless tradition. So we have a lot of, we have a lot of different relationships, even in this room, with the Lord's Prayer. 
uh, it may be deeply meaningful for you, or it may be just like, yeah, I know, it's how Jesus taught us to pray, but I don't really get it. You know, how, what does this have to do with how we should pray? That's what we want to engage. We have this idea of prayer that I talked about in the introduction to this series, that we have this idea that prayer is a button to be pushed. We just think of it as a button to be pushed. And if you've got something uh, to pray about, you just push the button. And if you push the button hard enough, or often enough, or well enough, or if you get enough people to push the button, or if you activate the prayer chain to push the button, and if you're not a, a churchy person, don't even ask about that, but if you get enough people who know how to push the prayer button to push the prayer button as often as possible and in the proper way, God will do what you're asking him to do, and we tend to approach prayer that way. The challenge with that, of course, is that it's a very shallow understanding of prayer, and a lot of us have prayed, and we just get frustrated with prayer uh, because we've just been pushing the button, and God doesn't seem to be paying attention. And maybe for some of you, that's why you quit praying at some point. For some of you, it maybe explains why you don't pray today. And the reason you don't pray is because maybe you have a fairly successful, wrinkle-free life. Because life's pretty good, and you got some money in the bank, and the job is going good, and everybody's healthy, and the marriage is good. And as a result, you don't think there's much that you need. See, so you don't, you don't have a need to push the prayer button, so you're not really praying. Maybe you never thought of it that way. But you know that if, there, if someday you need something, then you'll pray because you see prayer as a button to be pushed. And that can explain why you pray a lot, or it could explain why you hardly pray at all. But if, if we can begin to understand prayer as God intended it to be, we'll come to realize that it's not a button to be pushed. In fact, it's a relationship to be pursued. And in the same way that some of us are pursuing God, here's the big surprise in all this, is that God is pursuing you. We thought we were just pursuing God, but Christianity is the only belief system in, in human history that says that God is pursuing us, that God knows me by name, that he cares about me, that he loves me, that he wants a relationship with me. So what we're doing in this series uh, is we're looking at the Lord's Prayer piece by piece, bit by bit. And it struck me partway through my message a couple of weeks ago uh, that I might have presumed that everybody was familiar with the Lord's Prayer and and that almost everybody could recite it, and at the very least, everybody knew where to find it in the Bible. And I work really hard at not making those churchy insider kind of assumptions, so I apologize for that. So this week, we've made up some little uh, little cards there. On, you should be one on every chair. You can use them as bookmarks as you want, if you want. Uh, but just printed the Lord's Prayer on them. It's kind of a combination of the Matthew 6 and the Luke 11 uh, uh, version of the Lord's Prayer. So we're kind of drilling down a bit into what, for many of us, is very familiar and what for some of you could easily become some kind of magic formula prayer, but we want to go a lot deeper than that. And we're working through it line by line, and I hope what happens is that every time we break down another line, it brings fresh life and maybe even brand new meaning for you and breathes new life into your prayer life. So a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the first couple lines. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or may the holiness of your name be known. Or we recognize that you are holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And we saw that Jesus begins not by focusing on himself, not by focusing on God, or but by focusing on God, and that one of the objects of prayer is to orient our eyes away from ourselves and away from my thoughts that naturally go to me and my needs and my wants and my problems, and instead to orient them toward God. You know, but I'm fixated on my story. I, I na I'm naturally oriented uh, toward my story, my deal. And you probably, maybe you don't want to admit it, but if you would, you'd have to admit that you're maybe a little more selfish than you want to be in your prayer life too. 
But in teaching us to pray, Jesus says from the very beginning, I want you to focus on something that is way bigger than you, way bigger than your needs, way bigger than your problems. I want you to focus on God, focus on God's kingdom, not your own kingdom. And in teaching us this concept, Jesus introduced us to this battle, this battle between two kingdoms. And it may have surprised you to hear that the battle between these two kingdoms isn't between God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. That'd be easy enough. Jesus said the battle is between God's kingdom and your kingdom. And that's kind of a different deal. Today we're going to look at a couple of lines, and these lines are some of the smallest lines in the Lord's Prayer, but they can deliver some of the biggest impact because it's an invitation to something far bigger than the two lines really indicate. So we're going to go a little below the surface here. And I hope by the time we're done today um, that maybe, maybe there'll be something in there. But you'll be like, wow, I had no idea that that's what that really meant. So we're in Matthew chapter 6 today. The two lines we're going to look at are familiar, and they're easily misunderstood. They can often be off-putting if you're new to Christianity. But I think they can really help us make progress in our relationship with God. Maybe you're at a place where you're kind of stalled out in your relationship with God, and you're like, well, I pray because I'm supposed to pray because I'm a Christian, and that's what I'm supposed to do. And you know firsthand that prayer can be really frustrating at times because you've prayed about things like you thought like really wholeheartedly and with the right motivation and like with a lot of passion and God didn't seem to come through and so you're frustrated. And you get frustrated when you feel like you're going through the motions because it's just an obligation. Let me just say this. Uh, we're not going to go all the way there this week, so you've got to come back in a couple weeks' time. We're going to address this frustration. We're going to talk about why God doesn't answer our prayers and... Uh, But today we're going to look at these two short lines, and the teaching here is at the very heart of the Christian faith. So here they are. Uh, Verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So we said a couple weeks ago that prayer is not a button to be pushed, but a relationship to be pursued. And the part of the prayer that we instinctively go to is the part that we might call a list, because you have a list. And this is, this is sort of the part of the prayer where it's the invitation to the list. You can bring your list. And even if you haven't been around church for very long, you've figured out just from listening to other people pray that, that you can have a shopping list when you pray. You've figured that out. It doesn't take long to figure that out if you spend any time with, with Christians. You've heard other Christians talk about, well, I've got a prayer list, and I'm going to put you on my prayer list. Or maybe you get some bad news, or you've got a big decision to make, or you're talking with somebody, and they're like, well, I'm going to put you on my prayer list. Or maybe you're talking with someone and you don't think there's anything wrong with you, but, uh, but you don't think there's really that, it's that big a deal, but apparently they think there's something wrong with you because they just told you they're going to put you on their prayer list. And you're like, I don't know what that means. And I think you just insulted me, but thank you, I guess. I don't know. And sometimes there are just things that you want, you know, because you have a job. You have a job and you go to the job and it pays the bills, but you don't like the job. So you put that on your prayer list. Or maybe you don't have a spouse and so you put that on your, or maybe you have a spouse and you don't like the spouse that you have. So you put that on your prayer list. It's kind of, it's kind of the shopping list part of the prayer. The invitation to pray through your list, I think this is the closest we ever get to it in the Lord's Prayer. In, the, in verse 11, give us today our daily bread. But let's, let's just slow down. Give us today our daily bread. So God is inviting us to go shopping? It's like, excellent, God is inviting us to make a list, and on that list we can talk about the things that we, that we need or that we really want, and that's great because that's how most of us tend to pray. We don't pray until we 
have a need sometimes, you know, uh, but, but all of a sudden, you know, things aren't going well financially or things aren't going well relationally or there's a health thing and you can't see a way forward and so you pray. Or, or, or you've got an outdoor event scheduled for next Saturday afternoon and there's rain in the long-range forecast, so you put that on your list you, and you really need to pray about that. And you just tend to go to God with your list and we all tend to do that. It's our natural tendency. And it's like, God, I, I, I need to get me some stuff here, and, and God, I need you to, to do some stuff for me, and there's some stuff here that I could probably do uh, something about, but I would prefer if you just did it for me. That would be, that'd be great. Thanks a lot, God. That, that's awesome, because if you do that, I'll put an extra five in the offering box, and I'll sing really loud and maybe even smile on Sunday, you know, and we kind of approach it that way. Do you know how... Um, so many of us have treated prayer over the years. Not everyone, not all Christians, but many of us look at this part of the prayer as an opportunity to ask God for what we want. Let me pass my finals. Let me get into this school. Let me get this job. Let this relationship go well. Let me get this new car. Let us be pregnant or let us not be pregnant. And I'm not going to ask if you've ever prayed that. Uh, and it's like, what do I, what do I want? We say, give us today our daily bread, but we don't really want just bread. Give us today our daily bread, but we don't want like plain old white bread. No, God, give us today some of that artisan bread. <laughs> some of the fancy stuff with all the stuff in it. Tim Keller puts it this way. I don't know if you ever read Tim Keller, but if you want to go deep, dive into a little Tim Keller. He says, we don't really want our daily bread. We want our daily dessert. And I love that. It's honest. And that's what we really want. But I just need a new phone. God, I need a better phone. I mean, my Bible app would work so much better on a new phone. You know, the kind of quality time I could spend with you. You know, but it's been eight months since I got a new phone. I need a phone. I just want my daily dessert. We want artesian spring water from Norway, you know, because that's what we want. Because the main water is not good. The water from our well is just not good enough. That's just... I don't, you know, and I know it's not, it's, it's not always that trivial. I understand I'm exaggerating a little bit, but we want what we want. And sometimes we get very specific and it's kind of ridiculous. But we try to be honest here at church. And to be honest, I pray through a selfish filter. And you probably do too. Because we want to better this and we want to newer that and we want to top grade something else. So let's be honest, we pray for ridiculous things. Don't you love it when you're put in that spot where someone asks you to pray for something? You're like, seriously? You want me to pray for that? And he's like, oh, okay. We pray for our team to win. You have. <laughs> Last night, I will say I was watching hockey. I wasn't praying for any particular team. I was just praying for the game to end. I couldn't keep my eyes open. Uh, and God answered it right away, so that was great. Because um, he cares about these things. We pray for our kids' team to win. You've done that. I know it. We pray for our kid to get the game winner, you know, so we can live, continue to live vicariously through our children. We pray for our candidate, and that's great. Pray for your, our candidate. Pray for all the candidates. But then we take it a step further and pray for our candidate to win. We could be in the worst drought in history, and farmers and blueberry growers are really concerned, and the fire danger is extremely high, and we desperately need rain. But not this weekend. God, please not this weekend, because we've got this thing. We've got this wedding. We've got, I, got, I want to go to camp this weekend. We've got the, the church picnic. You wouldn't let it rain on a church picnic, so no rain this weekend. Monday would be great. 
if we read this verse, give us today our daily bread, we read it to mean I can pray for whatever I want. But if we look at what the text actually says, I think it'll, it'll rain in our praying through our wish list because the text doesn't say, give us today our daily dessert. It doesn't say, give me this year's newest model. It doesn't say, this job's okay, but give me the job I want. It doesn't say, give me what I want at all. Jesus was teaching this over 2,000 years ago. And the way he phrased it was, give us today our daily bread. Give us today. Do you just pray about today? Because when I pray through my list, I mean, I want enough for tomorrow. I want enough for next month. I want enough for retirement. See, this is a trust issue. Because we, def- we tend to define trust as, God, you need to give me enough so that I don't have to worry about it for a while. And I don't want to keep bothering you with all this stuff. If you could just give me the stuff on my list, now that would be great. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to keep bothering you about it. That would be great. Good, just a secure enough job and a healthy enough relationship and good enough health that I don't need to worry about this for a while. And that's not really present in this prayer. And this, this phrase is the closest thing to pray for what you want in this prayer. And that's not even what it says. So if you're looking for a shopping list, this is as close as it gets, but it's probably not what you think it's saying. Jesus said, give us today our daily bread. Give us today, not for the next 20 years, so you never have to think about it again, so you never have to be concerned, so you're all set. No, he says, I just want you to trust me today. There may be a couple exceptions in this room, because I don't know everybody's deal, but I'm going to take a wild guess that most of us in this room have enough food to get through today. In fact, you probably have enough for tomorrow. You, I just saw an ad on TV yesterday for a new refrigerator that has three cameras inside of it. That are, well, have you seen this? That you can control with your with your app. So if you're at the store, well, if you're you praying for that right now, if you're at the store, you can check your app and see what's in your fridge. It's a live feed. That's funny. And here's the thing. Because I know a lot of you, we have our second church service at Walmart at noon. I know that, that's how it works, okay? But here's the thing. If you don't have enough food in your pantry for today or for tomorrow, you know that you've, it's coming in. You know where it's coming from. Most people in this room, you're good with that. But Jesus lived in a day where literally, literally it was give us today the bread that we need. Where people didn't know where their next meal would come from. You read the stories of Jesus and he talks about day laborers. And a day laborer is someone who doesn't have a job to go to tomorrow. And they're hoping to find some work and get paid today. Because if they don't get paid today, they don't eat today. And this isn't about falling behind on your cable bill or your internet bill or your second car payment or your four-wheeler payment. This is about you don't eat Give us today our daily bread. (laughs) But we want the dessert. It's like Jesus is changing the question because we ask, what do I want? And Jesus says, well, there's another question you need to start asking uh, because my wants are endless. Because I don't know about you, but as soon as I get something I want, I'm kind of on to the next thing. But he says, instead of asking what do I want, why don't you ask what do I need? What do I need? You're like, oh, that's boring. Do I really need to pray about that? 
give us today our daily bread, today. And for some of you, it's a really very real prayer. I get that. For most of us, it isn't. And we show up with our list and our shopping cart. And, but when it comes down to, what do I need? Let's just, let's just admit it. We've got so much more than we need. And then Jesus, because he's teaching us how to pray, he doesn't leave it there. He says, okay, you show up with one list. I've got a couple lists of my own. In fact, I'm going to move you from one list to three lists. And he kind of surprises us because he shows up with a couple things that we weren't expecting. And we're like, but I was comfortable with my list. I was okay with my list. And now he just blew up my list. This is not cool, Jesus. So Jesus says, after you pray through your list, your needs. It's weird because he just touches on this. He kind of skirts around the needs thing. And then he's on the next part of the prayer. And I know you want to talk about your list and your needs and your wants and how do we know the difference and what is the filter, what's the filter we apply to figure out needs and wants, and we're going to talk about that before the end of this series. But for today, Jesus has moved to the next part of the prayer. So verse 11 and 12, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins. It's like, wow, you moved on to that pretty quick, Jesus. But I think what he's saying is you've got a list and I've got a list too. You've got, you got a list of stuff you want. Your Heavenly Father has a list. And it looks like this. Here's the first thing on our Heavenly Father's list for us. Where do I need forgiveness? Where do I need forgiveness? There's a whole other list here that we don't think about enough. Where do I need forgiveness? And Jesus is reminding us that there are areas of our lives where we need to be forgiven. This is the part that we don't like. It's kind of poetic when we're reciting it. It's kind of nice and it adds a little whatever, but we'd rather just skip right past that. The idea that we've sinned and we need forgiveness, that we need forgiveness from God and we need forgiveness from people. And I know it's really hard when you put the mirror on yourself, but... Maybe for some of your stories like this, you, you, you would have been in church a long time ago. Maybe you would have been a Christian a long time ago if someone in your life had asked for forgiveness for the way that they'd wronged you. Maybe if someone in your life, if maybe if some Christian that you know or some church leader in your life experience had actually sat down with you and acknowledged how they'd wronged you and asked for forgiveness, maybe, maybe and they'd done that a long time ago, you would, have, you would have been a follower of Jesus years ago and not just kind of getting started here. But at some point you were sick of playing the phony church thing and you were sick of all the people that said one thing and did another, and if someone had done the hard work of asking for your forgiveness, probably would have gone a long way in bringing you in a relationship with God. I mean, a lot of us know people who love God, but they just can't stand Christians. You know some people like that, probably. And, and the, the driving reason behind that is because Christians don't do enough asking for forgiveness. Perhaps one of the modern crises of, of prayer is that we don't ask for forgiveness enough. Because we're such a self-affirming culture. You know, everybody gets a trophy, everybody gets a hug, everybody's awesome. Everything is awesome. Mm-mm-mm. We're all broken. We're all broken. But we've been raised in a culture that we, we get so defensive that we don't even pray prayers of forgiveness. And when we do, we're so vague. It's like, God, if I have sinned today, if I have sinned somehow in some way, then forgive me, I guess, my bad. 
No, I think we need to get specific. Where do I need forgiveness? Where will I allow God and others access to look into my life enough that they can see the cracks and they can see the problems inside? Because here's what, here's what you're going to be tempted to do. You're going to get to this forgiveness part and you're going to want to talk about the sin you see in someone else's life and you're going to want to confess their sins for them. Because it's easy enough to confess your husband's sin and your wife's sin and your kid's sin and your boss's sin. Oh, Lord, when they do that, it drives me crazy, so please forgive them. No, 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 this isn't about you. I mean, when was the last time we prayed a prayer of confession? Oh, listen, the goal of confession is not to make you feel guilty. That's not the point. The goal of confession is to help you, to bring you to the place where you understand that your heavenly Father loves you, that he sent his son Jesus to die for you so you could be forgiven. Forgiveness is offered in the name of Jesus, and our heavenly Father offers that to you and to me. So where do I need forgiveness? Where do you need forgiveness? For some of you, that's a brand new category when it comes to prayer. And I don't know, maybe you honestly try to pray the Lord's Prayer this way, and you get to this part, and you're like, okay, now where do I need forgiveness? I can't, I can't really think of anything. I'm pretty awesome. Really, that's what people tell me. I can't think anything. I don't really know. Well, listen, if you get to this part and you're not sure, ask someone. (laughs) I did not expect a laugh there, really. (laughs) If you ask someone who knows you well and cares about you and values you more than they even value the relationship, They'll tell you. The people closest to you ought to fill you in on that. And if you don't have people in your inner circles who will answer this question for you, I really feel bad for you because I really do. I mean, I hope you'll do whatever it takes to add these kinds of people to your life. You need some truth tellers. Jeff Henderson from North Point Church in Atlanta says this. He says, just ask people, what's it like to be on the other side of me? I love that. Great confession question. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Because most of the time it's awesome, but occasionally it can be awful. So where do I need to grow, and where am I falling short? Because that's what sin is. It's missing the mark, and if you're really honest, if you've worked at learning the Scripture at all, you know when you've missed the mark. You know. You know because you've opened yourself up to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know when things aren't quite the way that they should be. And the Scripture says when we confess our sins, our Heavenly Father is faithful and just to forgive our sins. So I'm serious. If you're not sure about this, if you, if you get stumped here, ask someone. Ask your spouse, ask your kids, ask your boyfriend, ask your girlfriend. Want to put your relationship to the test? Ask this question. Ask your coworker, ask your best friend, ask those people in your inner circle. And I know this is, this is so confidential and top secret kind of stuff in our individualistic culture because, you know, what if somebody sees the cracks? What if somebody were to see me as I really am? You know, it's like, do you know how hard I work at this image? There was a time in church history when confession was communal. Christians would confess their sins to one another. And we've lost that practice, but someone who knows you, look, look we've got to set aside this tendency to be defensive. Let them, let them give an honest answer. And if you're always defensive, stop. Because if you're always taking a defensive position, you'll never grow. And if you'll Take the truth that you're given as a gift and you'll bring that before God and you confess your sin and you acknowledge your weakness and your failing. Amazing growth can start to happen from that point. And maybe you've always thought of sin as the things that you do. Uh, 
that list of things that you aren't supposed to do because you're a Christian. Uh, but let me just suggest a different uh, perspective. I mean, this could result in an entire paradigm shift in, in how you relate to your Heavenly Father. Do you realize sin isn't something you do? Sometimes it's who we are. There are, there are character stains that we need to work on. There are character flaws. There are, there are things deeply ingrained in us that we need to be really intentional about. There are things in your life where God is saying, let me get a little closer. Let me do a little surgery on your soul. Let me get a little closer because there's some stuff. And I know we've worked on some stuff for five years and it was great. And that was, you know, five years ago and that was all good. But there's some new stuff. We revealed some other stuff that, from the stuff that we worked on a while back. The New Testament calls this process sanctification, the process of being made holy. It involves a renewing of our minds and being remade by God. And if you allow yourself to stop focusing on the failings and shortcomings and weaknesses and sins of all the people around you, you turn that glaring light on yourself, and if you'll be honest about who you really are, oh, it's a terrifying journey, but it, it, it's the most liberating journey. See, I believe God intends for us to live in freedom. It's how he created us. And I believe as Christians, we are forgiven. But so few of us ever really live in the freedom that our forgiveness provides. Because we've never really learned to confess. We've never learned to acknowledge and recognize and own our sin. And until we do, oh, we'll be forgiven but we'll never truly experience the freedom that comes from being forgiven. Here's the thing. Our Heavenly Father doesn't invite us into His presence in prayer, and He doesn't invite us to confess our sins so that He can condemn us. That's not the point. He invites us to this place so that He can forgive us and remake us. And our forgiveness is already guaranteed through the blood of Jesus. And when you start to peel back the layers, and you start to get honest with yourself and with others, and you discover some things about yourself... Maybe you'll discover that you're more jealous than you thought you were because you've always thought that God didn't give you enough. I mean, look what he's given to other people. He hasn't given you enough. Maybe you'll realize that you're more angry than you thought. People have been telling you for, talking to you for years about your anger, and you're like, stop talking about my anger thing already. I'm not angry. <laughs> anger says you owe me. She owes me. God owes me. My boss owes me. My ex owes me. Everybody owes me. But when you're honest in this process, you realize then that you're angry. And you aren't just angry in situations, you're angry in general. And God's going to call you to take a hard look at that. See, people who confess their sins grow. Because God's asking, can I get a hold of your life? Can I get a hold of your soul? Because when I do, we're going to work together to grow you. Since I was a teenager, this is what I've, I feel God has been doing in me, and I've always had people in my life who would say the hard things, uh, and it seems like God is always wanting to work on something new, and sometimes I think, can we just be done now? I mean, aren't, I, aren't we there yet? It's like, no, this isn't heaven, so you still got some work to do. And I've had to learn this, and if, I've had to learn that if you're defensive, the people in your life won't tell you the truth, and you won't grow. And I, the most stagnant times in my life have been those times when I have approached those conversations from a defensive standpoint, when I've been resistant to the truth in the voices of the people in my life, and I've had my explanations already and I've been defensive. And when that's the case, I don't grow. So list number one is what do I need? List number two is where do I need forgiveness? And there's a third list, and it's in verse 12. As we forgive those who sin against us. So, okay, okay, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So list three is, whom do I need to forgive? This is kind of where God wants to take us. I think he wants to talk to us here and say, what about your ex? 
Who do I need to forgive? What about your boss? What about your adult kids and their poor choices? What about your friend who betrayed you? What about your ex, or did I already say that? Who are you angry at? Who gets the fallout of your anger? See, we show up with a list, and God says, fine, I'll listen to your list. Let me, tell me all the things you want, and let's focus on what you need. But just understand, I've got my list. And before we get to my list, let's remember that I forgave you. And this is so important to Jesus. That at the end of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, he says there's a good chance that there's a, there's a part that you missed, the forgiveness part, because you're so focused on what do I need, what do I need, what do I need, and I've got some things I want to, and I need forgiveness, I guess, but there's still some room for improvement in my character. Then Jesus says, that, that, that's all fine, but there's, another, there's a whole part that you might have missed. It's who do I need to forgive? And he basically says, if you don't forgive the people who've wronged you, your Heavenly Father won't forgive you. And you're like, is that what it really says? He's like, what? That doesn't sound right. Let me just skip right over that part, because I'm not comfortable with that. If you don't forgive those who've wronged you, your Heavenly Father won't forgive you. And there's lots of room for theological discussion on that. Maybe we can, you could invite me for coffee, and you could explain your position on that. That'd be great. But there's, there's lots of room there to talk about it. But I think the, that Jesus gives us instruction so that we aren't guilty of hypocrisy when we come before God. I mean, the last thing, the last place you want to be a hypocrite is in God's presence, Right? <laughs> So, so how can, how, where do we get off asking for forgiveness when we ourselves aren't willing to forgive? Because we're like, yeah, well, yeah, I got good reason to not to forgive that person who's wronged me because you don't know my story. And that's a, you know, it's a nice thought, this forgiveness thing, whatever, sing some songs, kumbaya, hold hands, big. But if you knew this person over here is a big jerk. Pretty hard to forgive when they won't forgive me. You know what's interesting is the word that's used uh, here in, for forgive in Matthew 6 is the same word that we use in English for financial, with financial implications. It's why in some versions of the Bible it says debts and debtors. It's like going to the bank and saying, I know I have this big mortgage on my house, uh, but we were thinking it would be really nice if you would forgive it. <laughs> that's the word. That's the word. Would you forgive the mortgage on my house? None of you would even try that. I, I don't think you would. Uh, and Jesus is making a point here that you need to forgive even though it costs you something. And if you forgive and it hasn't cost you something, uh, it may not really be uh, forgiveness. Uh, I mean, imagine if someone borrowed some money from you. How many of you have ever loaned money to somebody? I'm just curious, ever loaned money to somebody? I mean, it could be five bucks, I don't know. Uh, how many of you have ever borrowed money from someone? Oh, come on, you went to college. Uh, <laughs> Well, just to make things interesting, let's say someone borrowed $10,000 from you. It's a lot of money. That's part of your retirement fund. That's, that's your vacation for the next five years. That's a significant amount, whatever. That's a significant amount of money. And what if, what if after you agreed to a payment plan, what, and what if they aren't paying you back? And you're frustrated, and you're angry, and this is strapping you financially. You're not able to do the things that you had uh, in, in mind to do. The word that Jesus uses here is like, in that situation, it would be like forgiving the loan. Yeah, but they owe me. Well, if someone truly forgives, it's like, so what do I owe you now that you've forgiven the, what's my balance? Oh, you don't owe me anything, it's forgiven. And, and it's like Jesus is saying to us, your heavenly father forgave you and it cost him something. So you forgive the people in your life who've wronged you and it'll cost you something, but you forgive them anyway. 
and you wipe the account clean and the balance is zeroed out and they don't owe you anything anymore. And yes, there was actually a wrong committed. And yes, they contributed to the demise of your relationship. And yes, their decisions led to your, the financial mess that you're in right now. And yes, they made a mess of things. And yes, they took money from you. And yes, but forgive them. Just as your Heavenly Father has forgiven you. Because your forgiveness costs God dearly. And it's hard. This stuff is hard because we like to approach prayer going, here's my list, God. You paying attention? I got you on, you're on here? You're on the call? You, you, can you hear me now? It's kind, of, it's kind of long this morning. Got a lot of stuff I need today. And God's like, that's fine. But don't forget, I got my list too. Could you imagine if the church was filled with people who took their sins seriously? Can you imagine if the church was marked by radical forgiveness? Can you imagine what that would look like? Remember, the Lord's Prayer is an invitation into prayer. It's an invitation into relationship and into intimacy. And if you'll start praying like this, it's virtually impossible to stay angry with someone that you pray for. It's virtually impossible. If you're angry with somebody and you've been angry with them for years, the way to get over that is start praying for them. And if you're like, well, that doesn't work, I've been, I've been doing that. I've been praying for them and I'm still angry. Well, that's because you haven't been praying for them, you're praying against them. Because you're like, God, change them. God, get even with them. God, don't let them get away with that. God, show them who's boss. And when you start praying for them, that's a position of humility. When you're praying for their well-being and their spiritual health and the blessing of God on someone, it's virtually impossible to stay angry with a person that you pray for like that. Mark Twain said it this way. He said, uh, forgiveness is the fragrance that the, that the... Let me try that again. Forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. When you step on a flower, it still releases its fragrance. You step on a follower of Jesus, they've, they've experienced such radical forgiveness at the hand of their Heavenly Father that when you step on them, when you wrong them, when you take advantage of them, they say, I love you, I forgive you. And I know you're still wondering, you know, what about my needs? I thought we were going to get to my needs thing. When do I get to pray for the stuff I need? When do I get to pray for the stuff I want? When do I get to pray about that? Listen, your need to forgive and your need to be forgiven, your need to live in the freedom that comes from forgiveness through Christ is greater than any other need that you think you have at the top of your list. You need to forgive and be forgiven. That need is greater than any physical or financial or relational need that you think you need to pray about. And I think when we come to God and He sees our list, our list of needs and maybe a few wants on there, and He's like, okay, let's get your needs met. Maybe not today. I think sometimes He just, you've done this to your kids. You just want to mess with them a little bit. So, so I think he does that to us sometimes just to teach us something, you know. Let's uh, teach you a little bit of a trust here. Uh, let's get your needs met. Maybe not today. Let's get started on it. That's good. That's fine. I can handle it. Now let's go from here. Let's get to my list. Because my list is, where do I need forgiveness and whom do I need to forgive? And I know this might have totally wrecked prayer for you. Sorry about that, but please forgive me. Okay, that, I guess we'll just come back and back of a few pages. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the prayers you don't want to pray are often more important than the prayers we want to pray. But if we'll do this, if we'll get past the my kingdom, my kingdom, my kingdom, here's what I want, here's how I feel about this, here's what I need you to do, God. If we'll get, a pa- if we'll get past pr- approaching prayer like a button to be pushed, if we'll spend some time if we'll open our hearts, if we'll embrace the prayers we don't want to pray, then we'll learn, we'll grow, and we'll grow comfortable with transparency. 
If you're like, so how do I pray my needs? Uh, let me just come back to that for a minute, because and then we're going to really get into this next time. But I, I love, I read some Tim Keller this week, and he says, it, he says this way. He says, Would, to pray this way, to pray, Lord, meet my material needs and give me material wealth. Can we say amen? So far, I'm on track with him. But there's not a comma, or there's a comma, not a period. He says, give, meet my material needs, give me material wealth, but only as much as I can handle without harming my ability to put you first in my life. Okay. So God, give me enough for today. Oh, if you feel like it, maybe even a, a, a little bit for tomorrow would be good, or next month or next year. But only give me as much as I can handle, and this is different for all of us, without harming my ability to put you first in my life. And Keller says, because ultimately, I don't need status and comfort, God. I need you as my Lord. That's a good prayer. I think that's the kind of prayer that Jesus is inviting us to pray. So what's the application? What can you do with this this week? I would suggest you start with making three lists. If you're a list person or if you're a person who prays with a list, uh, adjust your list. List number one is what do I need? And you may discover, uh, maybe as we explore this a little bit longer, that some of the things that you've listed as a need are, are really not needs, but we'll talk about that later. What do I need? Number two, where do I need forgiveness? You might need to ask somebody about that. What's it like being on the other side of me? And number three, whom do I need to forgive? And let the Holy Spirit reveal that to you. If you do this, you'll add substance to your prayer life. You're going to need to carve out a little more time for prayer. You might need to get up early or stay up later or take a personal day. I don't know. Uh, Jesus knew that my need to forgive, your need to forgive, would be as important as any of our needs. I think I'd be missing an opportunity this morning. We're talking, we're talking about this, this concept of prayer being an invitation to relationship, to being a relationship to be pursued. And I think I'd be missing an opportunity if I didn't give you an op, a chance to just enter this relationship with your Heavenly Father this morning um, and experience the forgiveness and the freedom that comes from that. Maybe you've been coming here for a little while and you've been considering this whole deal and you're starting to understand things and you've never, maybe that you've never understood before and you're beginning to understand it's not about what I do, it's about what Jesus did for me. If you're here this morning and you're at that point, I want to give you a chance to kind of have a moment in time. I want to give you a chance to make the decision to place all your faith and all your trust in Christ's death on the cross as a payment for your sin. And I want to just lead you in a prayer, and this prayer doesn't make you a Christian. Prayer is just a way that we communicate with God about this decision to put faith in, our faith in Jesus. And I want to lead you in this prayer. So let's bow our heads together. And you can pray with me silent, right, silently right where you are. You can change the words, use your own words, but just... Say something like this. Say something like, Lord, I believe that I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus came to be my Savior. And placing all my trust in Jesus' death on the cross is the full payment for my sin. And I'm not trusting in my background. I'm not trusting in my efforts. I'm not trusting in my church participation. I'm not trusting in a baptism. I'm putting all of my faith in who Jesus is and what he did on my behalf. Thank you for receiving me into your family. I accept your gift of eternal life. If you prayed this prayer with me just now, or if you're at a point of some kind of spiritual decision, I'd love for you to take a minute and fill out the Connect card in the seat back uh, near you. Uh, just leave it in an offering box, or better yet, come, come bring it to me after the service. I'd love to have a minute to, to talk with you. Let's listen to the song. Heavenly Father, you always amaze me. The 